Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Brashid podcast. As we discussed in the last episode, the Church of the East and other apostolic churches were founded in the first century by the Apostles of Christ. And over the last couple of episodes, we spoke about the authority of the Apostles and the authority of the Church, and also the role or responsibility of the Church as instructed and commanded by Christ, and the way that the authority, the teachings, the dogma and the commandments were all passed down through Christ, by Christ, sorry, through the Apostles and unto our churches today. So we thought it was important today to talk about the liturgy that stemmed from the, apost- the apostolic era um, and specifically the liturgy of the Assyrian Church of the East, which was founded by two apostles, um, two of the 70 apostles of Christ. Um, and that is the liturgy or the anaphora of Mar Day and Marmani. So to start off, I think it's important to def- uh, to go through who were these two individuals, um, That's right. Adde and Mari. That's right. We hear, we hear it a lot in church, Maradde, Maramari. It comes up. We have commemorations for them. <clears throat> They're very big in our church. We name churches after them. There's bishops named after them, previous bishops. But um, it's good to know, like, like you said, it's the apostolic age. They were from the 70 apostles of Christ. And we know this, it says in Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place he, where he himself was about to go. So they were forerunners first. Before Christ, they would go and give the message. And the message was, the kingdom of heaven has come. So that was the message before Christ's resurrection. After that, it was the complete gospel that we now know today. That is, Christ died for our sins and he rose again so that we can rise as well. Exactly. Um, Maradé and Maramari are special in our church because they were the first ones to come to Edessa, which was Indeed. what we call like a city-state back then because the Assyrian Empire has, had diminished. It was taken over by multiple empires. Um, and it was just a city-state. We had a king, but it was very small. We were dominated by Persians. We were in the Persian Empire at that time. So they come in within the first century, um, very early. Some even say even 33 AD, possibly, or 34 AD very early on and they spread this gospel to the syriac speaking people of edessa and that was the main language spoken at the time and not just in edessa it was also within the region of jerusalem as well like they say um jesus spoke aramaic aramaic is a dialect of or syriac is a dialect of aramaic they're very similar that's why you'll see many throughout the bible there's some words some phrases that aren't in english but to assyrian speakers you can understand them exactly. like maranatha when Paul says Maranatha, that means Maranate, like he's mm. made the Lord come. So that was that's something important because that plays a big role in the liturgy that we're going to talk about today. The Syriac language and how it brings in from St. Mari and St. Edde. Exactly. Um, and <clears throat> an important thing to mention, like you said, is when they came and evangelized. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, many scholars agree that it was very, very early on mm-hmm. um, after Christ's resurrection and um, after he, um, you know, he, the Great Commission, where he commissioned the, uh, the disciples and the apostles to go on and evangelize and baptize. So um, we have to take this in mind when we're going to speak about the next part, that these yeah. two apostles moved into Edessa and evangelized very early on. It was in the very early apostolic era or the church era where they founded the church. I think comfortably um, we can say before 40 AD. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And this isn't me and you and yeah. Shaheen saying this. It's um, scholarly work. It's 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 our tradition and it's our teaching. And 
it's not something that me and you have come up on That's the spot right. and it's decided. It's not for debate as well. Like it's solid history. It's not exactly. like oh maybe it's this is what happened. Exactly. And I'm sure if the viewers have any doubts, they can send us questions. We can send That's us right. uh, send them our resources. We can send them uh, any documentation, yeah. and they can do their own research and they'll come to the same for conclusions sure. because this has been a big topic of discussion and study. So, Mar Adde and Marmari. We've said that they were part of the seventy-two apostles, uh, seventy apostles, and um, that they went and evangelized and established our church. Now, who were they individually? So, Saint Adde was one of the seventy apostles of Christ. Now, there are some people who claim that he is identical to um, Thaddeus of the twelve disciples, um, but nevertheless, our church teaches that he was a disciple of T- Saint Thomas, who was one of the 12 disciples of Christ. So Saint Adde or Thaddeus, as some may call him, um, he was one of the disciples of Saint Thomas, um, who was Saint Thomas the Apostle, one of the 12 disciples of Christ. Now, after the Pentecost, Mar Adde started preaching the gospel in Mesopotamia, Syria and Persia, as you mentioned. Um, and some of them call him Talmidanet Madincha, or the, disciple, the, um, the apostle that was sent to the East. Now that is why we're called the Church of the East. And when Saint Adde, um, now we're going to get into Saint Mari, of course, yeah. Saint Adde didn't go by himself, but Saint Adde was commissioned to go and, and establish the church in the Church of the East. Now, just one um, clarification to make. There are, there are some people that say, okay, so if it was the 70 apostles that were commissioned by Christ, how come there's different churches? How come they establish different churches with different teachings? Yep. Now, there's a difference between the big traditions or the big T and the little traditions. Mm-hmm. The big traditions involve salvation, baptism, and all these core elements of apostolic theology or apostolic doctrine. Now, every apostolic church shares the same exact core doctrines. The doctrine, the, sorry, the same exact core traditions, the essentials of salvation, of um, baptism of this now some sacraments may differ but these core elements I think it's the application not so much the understanding exactly like we all agree yeah. that the body the Eucharist is the body exactly. and blood of Christ physically um, it's not like one thinks this one yeah. thinks that and that's because like we said it's those same apostles spreading that same message um, and just to clarify like um, Saint Mari and Saint Adde didn't say Guys, this is the Church of the East now. Yeah. Like that came later on. Exactly. When churches yeah. split. Exactly. And we are planning to do a series on church history and how we had these schisms and separations in the church and how misunderstandings and so on and so forth made these splits. But it was it's important to know that, like you said, that uniform doctrine existed within the church at the time because it was so early on and everybody was in communion with each other. And it wasn't that the twelve disciples sat down and had a meeting and said, Okay. Thomas, you're going to go there, you're going to teach this. Um, James, uh, sorry, Peter, you're going to go there, you're going to teach this. It wasn't like that, that's not what happened. The reason why we say that this same, these essentials, these core essentials of apostolic tradition, which came from Christ, is because Christ was the only source. It wasn't like someone got sourced this information from this person and someone sourced this information or they came up with it on a spot. No. The Bible teaches us, and I think we mentioned the verse last week, um, that the Holy Spirit assisted the apostles to remember Mm -hmm. everything. So all the information they received was from Christ himself. And Christ they call, or Christ is the word of God. Now, 
the information that is being sourced from the word of God himself remained uniform in the apostles who then went and established yeah. churches. Now, why do we have these minor um, traditional differences? That's because Indians, Indian culture in general, is not the same as the Chinese culture. Yep. Indian culture is not the same as European culture. Persian culture is not the same as Australian culture. Well, the modern Australia. But yep. this is... Uh, this is a reason why the tradition, the small tradition, is differs yep. in these different cultures. Because when you have an apostle who has to go and preach to the Indian people, he has to change his approach of giving the message to apply to their needs, their cultural needs or their cultural differences. So these small traditional differences are because of the cultures, the audiences themselves. The society around it. it it morphs the tradition, not exactly as in change, but just the application of it. Exactly. It's applied differently. So if you have, if I'm giving a speech and I have an audience and I know that this audience has a certain level of education, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go and speak some level of philosophy that they're not going to understand. Yep. But if I know that this audience is very high educated, I'm not going to go and speak basic, simple terms to them. I can be comfortable in yep. speaking high level philosophy or theology to them. And this is what was important. The apostles knew how to communicate with one another, with their audiences. That's right. And it wasn't that the message which changed, the message remained uniform. And the Holy Spirit ensured that. The Holy Spirit was with them, it guided them and inspired them. But the differences in culture had to be addressed. And through the assistance of the Holy Spirit, it was addressed. And we see this in a chapter we quote very much, so John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's based on Greek philosophy because John was writing to the Greeks. Exactly. So that's why we see they cater to their audience. And that's why you'll see Matthew's different, written differently because it's for the Hebrews, and John is written differently, and so on and so forth. Um, St. Paul writes differently. He uses certain ideas from Greek philosophy, Greek mythology to help people understand because exactly. it's a different thinking. Exactly. And this is the difference between the core doctrines and the small traditions yep. that differ. You won't see the Church of the East and another apostolic church argue that the body of Christ is actually, the Eucharist is actually mm -hmm. not actually the body of Christ. No, that's because before scripture was even written, they had agreed upon this. Yep. And it wasn't an agreement. It was agreeing, not sort of agreeing, but taking that information given to Christ by, by himself, yep. who instituted on that day of the Last Supper, this is my body and this is my blood. The apostles took this down with them, and that is what they passed down to their churches. So now that we've spoken about Mar'adei, we can talk about Marmari. And Marmari was also one of the 70 apostles. Uh -huh. And he was also a disciple of Thomas, who was of the 12. And an important thing to mention here is, in church, our viewers who are from the Assyrian Church of the East will, will uh, take this very quickly, but we mentioned Saint Adde and Saint Mari together always at church. We never say Saint That's Adde, right. Right. but not Mari. We never say Saint Mari and Saint, but not Saint Adde. And the reason why is because they were always together. When they went, they were paired together, two by two. Mm -hmm. So they were the ones that were paired together, and they were the ones who established our church. So, to conclude, Saint Adde, Saint Mari, both part of the seventy apostles, both disciples of Saint Thomas, who was one of the 12 disciples of Christ, both of them paired together, went and established the Church of the East. That's right.
And the important thing is, is like we we're talking about, it's early on. So it was before the Gospels were even written that they went out and preached this. And it's something very important that they gave to us that we still have to this day. It's what we call the liturgy that they gave us, the liturgy for the Eucharist itself. What we do, how we worship God, and how we come together as one body through the body and blood of Christ. Um, so if we say they came around 40 AD, that's scholars usually agree the earliest gospel is around 70, 60 AD, something like that. So, Some say, yeah. yeah. Some say a bit earlier, but uh, not too. Yeah, they differ. There's not a massive um, that's ar- right. you know, difference. But we, c- we can comfortably say they were before the gospels were even written. Yeah. So their liturgy, the way that they conducted the Mass, or the, the Eucharist itself, the communion of the believers, was before the Gospels, was before St. Paul's letters, because they went out straight away and preached. So, we have something so early that's been passed down passed down to us, and it's, it's something so special we see in church every day. It's a mystery, like we said. And they took it straight from the mouth of Christ. As, just as He broke His body and gave it to the disciples, they also followed that and taught it to our church, taught it to the believers, and it's been passed on till this day. That's because they were commanded to. That's right. Christ didn't say, um, you know, a recommended method of you know gathering mm-hmm. your followers is by having a, lo- a last supper with them or having a dinner with them. No, mm-hmm. he didn't say that. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. And we've gone through that. If anyone wants to watch our previous podcast episode on um, the Eucharist or the... Um, it's in our previous podcast episodes. Um, what episode episode number? three, that one. Three, yeah. yeah. So, as Andrew mentioned, we have something very early. And let's talk about historians or scholars. Yeah. Among historians of the liturgy, so those that are specialized in studying the liturgy, none would disagree that the anaphora of the apostles Ede and Mari is the oldest Eucharistic prayer used continuously from the early church era. Now, what is the early church era? That first century. That first that first commissioning of the apostles to establish church. That was that early church, Christian era. And like you said, we have something so early that existed before anything was written. Before scripture itself was written. When I say scripture, I mean the, like you mentioned, the New Testament. The New Testament. Yeah. We have something so early. And the reason why I'm emphasizing on this is because many people will argue and say, how can it be that early when the earliest written manuscript was in the third century? Just like the, um, there are some, but this one is uh, less less um, severe as the uh, liturgy one because um, the argument against scripture being written in the 70th, um, 70 AD, around 70, 60 AD is they say, why wasn't it written immediately yeah. after the resurrection of Christ? But as we've gone through and as um, His Grace Marawa has mentioned that um, the disciples went and orally preached the the, um, the news, the good news, the gospel, the good news. Um, and then after towards the end, they started writing it down because there are for many reasons, because they were getting persecuted, because yeah. there were many heresies spreading in the church. They couldn't last forever as well. Exactly. They had to write yeah. down their witness. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that for the gospels. Now, for the liturgy, all historians and scholars both agree that this tradition, although it existed or was founded in the early church era in the first century, it was done or passed down orally until the third century. Yep. Now, the third century, uh, the author of the third century who decided to write it down 
physically have it there. Scholars say that he took the oral tradition that was passed down and put it down and wrote it down. And that is where we get our current liturgy. Yeah. The current liturgy that we celebrate the um, on Sundays or whenever it may be when we have the Holy Mysteries, that is where we get it from. Now, it's not an exact copy, obviously. Yeah. We have built upon those foundations that the apostle, apostles built. We've changed it because, not, I, w- I don't want to say changed it, but we've catered it to current society and current norms. Like back in the day, my grandma used to say there was no sitting in church and there was everybody would stand up. So there is minor differences, but it's that core anaphora, what we call, <clears throat> where the priest calls down the Holy Spirit. And the order of the liturgy itself, that's what's kept from the thing. It's not like the synod sat down and took the, the liturgy and yeah. said, cross this out and add this yeah. in, cross this, cross this and add this in. They didn't alter it. That's right. They catered it. Yeah. They catered it to their needs. They catered it to the needs of the people. Yeah. Now, this is an exact reason why it is agreed upon by scholars as the oldest form of Eucharistic prayer. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like um, we have St. Eddain Mari's liturgy and then... In the third century, they said, nope, let's start, let's do a new liturgy built upon that liturgy. No, it's the liturgy of St. Eddie and St. Mari that was established in the first century in the early church era that was continued, as it mentions in Act. they continued to break the bread, which was the Eucharist. They continued and that continued orally until the third century where they decided for some reason that, well, thank God they decided that it was necessary to have this now written down and we have been to remember down. the church was also growing at that time exactly. so it's for them to write it down was important because then it could be passed down even more it could exactly. have physical copies of it and not just rely on mouth to mouth because we know mouth to mouth oral oral transmission it it changes it corrupts so to have it so early on written down kept it shows us that they wanted to preserve what was given to them and it was a very important step because from them writing it down, it was taken, distributed, like you said, yep. to all members of the church and passed down by the, as we say, the bishops of the church um, until what we have today, which we call the um, the uh, liturgy of Mar'adde and Marmari. Now, there is a criticism, apart from the criticism that it was written in the third century, but um, we've spoken about that and many scholars have agreed that this is the most accurate um, way of putting it that it was passed down orally now another criticism is um, if we pay close attention the anaphora has a lack of words of institution yep. and what we mean by a lack of words of institution is a lack of words said by Christ himself on the day of the last supper where he instituted the Eucharist now this, this was is important because we see other liturgies like the Latin liturgies that the Catholic churches have and some Antiochian um, liturgies, they don't have these, they have the words of institution, but the liturgy of Marade and Maramari, they're unique in a sense that they don't have these. Now, exactly. um, we aren't the ones who make the rules as to what a liturgy is or not. It's passed down to us. So we don't say, oh, because it doesn't have this, therefore it's not. But people have tried to do that in the past. Yeah, and an early, an early criticism, this was an early problem. It was an early, early criticism, not mm-hmm. early. When I say early, I don't mean in the church, like early when church. The West, when the West f- met the East, the Western church met the Eastern church like early on. Um, this is one criticism. Yeah. And when had. we say early on, we don't mean first, second century. No, of course we not mean not. centuries yeah. and yeah. centuries later when they later met. Because they they had a they had um they had come from the West seeing the East and said, hang on, 
what's this? We've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. This is so different to, well, not so different, but this is different to what we would usually call our liturgy. We have the words of institution in it. But then they came and they acknowledged and examined the anaphora. And one major church was the Roman Catholic Church that understood that the classic understanding of the institution narrative, which they call the Verba Domini, as being the consecratory principle of the anaphora, was replaced with the understanding of the entire anaphora taken as an integral whole as being consecratory of the Eucharistic elements of bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. Yep. Now this is taken from uh, Marawa's um, thesis where he speaks about um, the anaphora of Maradain Marmari and in summary what he's basically saying is that the churches understood that it doesn't necessarily have to have the verba domini or yep. the words that Christ mentioned in a small part but as a whole the whole celebration of the anaphora of Edde and Marmari does the purpose of that's right. changing or not changing but um, consecrating the elements of the bread and wine in essence to the body and blood of Christ yep. and this is the important thing that the apostles established and Christ himself established which was passed down to the apostles which is passed down so, to us today um, just to put it simply or just to summarize it up um, our liturgy does not have we don't have Christ saying or we don't say the words of Christ where it says this is my body and this is my blood yeah we don't specifically say that within the liturgy well he does itself. well we do say about like the yeah. actual quotation well of the original liturgy didn't have it yeah yeah it's not quoted like you'll see in other liturgies it says this is my body this is my blood where they take it from um, what Christ did on the last supper what he said on the last supper but our liturgy is unique in that sense that it doesn't exactly. have that and um we do have, um, you know, in the in the holy mysteries itself, where Christ says, um, "Whoever eats from this body and drinks from this blood, yep. he shall live um, and inherit the kingdom of heaven." But that's not what we're saying. We're saying that from the very institution of the Eucharist itself, where Christ said, um, "Take this, eat, drink," we don't have these words that Christ said. Yep. But as Andrew said, this is the u uniqueness, um, and it shows that. The purpose of the apostles was always that the body and the bread and wine is the body and blood of Christ, and this is, has been acknowledged, and this is what it, this is what our church um, has agreed with other churches That's is right. the case. Another thing to show that this liturgy is Leon, it's um, Saint Paul mentions is like the tra the traditions we passed on to you, the teachings we passed on to you. He mentions how. The, the body and blood should be treated within the church so we see that this is passed on there wasn't a set liturgy all around the church it was what Christ had passed on and it was how to how to consecrate and how to make it so that the body and blood of Christ would be given to the believers to be one in him exactly and this was the main purpose um, that the apostles had initially founded and this is the purpose that has been passed down to our churches so I think that we've done um, well, obviously, in the time we've we have, um, we've gone through um, Maradei and Marmari, who they were, their history, um, where they came from, where they went, yep. where they evangelized, where they um, started the church, and what came from them, which is what we have now, the liturgy of Maradei and Marmari, which was um, established, um, and every historian or 
scholar that studies the liturgy agrees that this occurred in the early yeah. church era, which was in the first century before scripture was written, written and passed down orally until it was actually written down and then given to us today. Yep. So uh, what we will do, we will put um, links to any articles, um, any papers for further reading and what, what we referenced um, in the description. So if you guys want to further read, because we can only say so much now, but these people did this for their studies, their doctorates, their masters, and they're pretty detailed. They have all references to any books. Some books, some books aren't even in English, but exactly. the ones that you can read, the ones that for those who can read Syriac, it's possible. Um, it's available there. We'll put all the links in the description and all of that, so you guys can have a read face off. Perfect. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Um, we will go into this in more detail. Um, so we've just tried to justify um, the origin of the liturgy. Um, who Maradain Marmari were and where we got our liturgy from. Um, so thank you guys for watching. Um, please make sure to share, um, subscribe. And if you have any questions or like Andrew said, um, we will post down the resources that we used and um, any other resources. But if you have any uh, questions specific to today's podcast or any other podcast or any questions in general, please feel free to write down in the comments, send us an email or we have social media pages on Instagram and Facebook or you can message us and ask us questions. Thank you guys, and we'll see you in the next episode.